The Hoops House with G Shops podcast continues here as we roll into episode two, uh, the second ever episode of the podcast here as we are joined today by Manchester head coach Eli Henson. Coach, uh, we appreciate uh, you coming to join us today and uh, look forward to talking about your career and uh, and talking about uh, that really good basketball team you got up there in Manchester. So as we start here, just kind of tell us a little about yourself and your background a little bit. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Grant. Um, I, see, I'm about to be 38 years old tomorrow, so and I've been coaching for, I think, since I was 24, been a head coach. So I think I'm on year 14. I can't remember if it's 14 or 15. but So I started my career at North White, was there for five seasons, and then – Moved up here to Wicko and was at Wicko for four seasons, then took over uh, here. And um, I've, I've single stop that I've been. I've had I had a, had some good success at North White. Had a great group of been through when I got there. Their seventh grade class that was really good, and you know they they were able to win a lot of games and won a sectional championship and got to the regional finals. Um, and then for when I was at Waco, that, that was a hard place to leave. I had, I had great relationships with everybody that I, right. that I worked with. I had great relationships with all my players. It's just um, I, you going from Waco to Manchester, I, I saw that as kind of a, a of my career and, and was able to, you know, have an opportunity to take over the, the Manchester program that had been average, you know, for the last few years. And but had a lot of potential, and I thought that that was something that if I got my hands on some of those players at Manchester that I think that I thought I could make a difference in them. Well, you got a pretty solid team this year. Uh, actually, going to hopefully play Cherubusco tonight. You're thirteen and two. Uh, just kind of talk about the season so far. The only two losses you've had uh, so far to this point have been Blackhawk, which is a sectional opponent for you guys. You guys lost by thirty. Yeah and lost uh, to Wabash in the Wabash County Tournament Championship by 10. So, yeah. but, but you picked up some big wins. Oak Hill's a big win. Um, Southwood twice is a big win. You beat Fort Wayne Canterbury. Um, and you've also beaten uh, Adam Central, who's another sectional opponent, which is a game you're just coming off of. So just kind of give yeah. us a rundown of the season because, uh, you know, doing those games there earlier in the year, you didn't play a lot at home. You were – you were on the road a lot, uh, but just kind of give us a rundown of what's happened so far. Yeah, I mean, we, we started off the season. We played Oak Hill at home, had a, had a really good win, 79-49 over them. They're a younger team, that, and I think they're starting to get a little bit better now. I think their point guard starting to figure out how good he is, the Tonable kid. But, um, you know, it's a bit of an up-and-down season just because we had an injury with uh, our point guard. I think that was after our seventh game. We started off seven and zero, and with him out, it, we really, we really struggled to maintain our identity, which was being able to pressure you, taking care of the ball, yeah. being able to execute on offense, and really just getting after you on defense. And once he's come back, once Ethan Hendricks has come back, we've been, you know, we've been very difficult to beat lately. We had a big yeah. road win at Wabash to keep us going at the top of the conference list. Uh, we were able to defend our home court against Canterbury and Adam Central, two two teams 
teams that I feel like were two of the better teams we played, talent-wise at least. Uh, and, and Adam Central was probably one of the better teams we played, and they were the most physical team by far that we played. And, you know, it's it's nice to be back home playing some games because we had a nine-game road stretch there early yeah. in the season. That, But that was good for us because that kind of – you were able to kind of see what kind of team we are. What you know, when we go to sectionals, we're traveling an hour and ten minutes to Bluffton, so we we need to learn to play well on the road. And I thought that we we did some really good things on the road. Um, you know, both of our losses were when we were kind of had a incomplete team. We weren't we weren't firing at all cylinders because our point guard was out. And since he's been back, we haven't lost. So we're eleven and zero with him on the court. So we always feel confident going in every game. The Blackhawk game was just a bad game for us. You energy wise wasn't there. I, you know, that was the first game with with Ethan off the floor, and you could kind of just see that we didn't really know what kind of team we were at that time. And gain, we we gain a lot of confidence with him back on the floor. So hopefully we can keep keep everybody healthy going forward because this is a, this is a very this is probably for me as an individual this is probably the most talented team that i've coached and the team that's having the most success and, and you know but, but that doesn't you know we we feel that it's kind of an incomplete season if we can't win a conference if we can't make a deep run in the postseason when we, we want to show people that we right. can go play with the lures and, and be competitive and have a chance to be a lures a blackhawk and and then go back and be adam central again like we want to show people that and you know I, th- I think these guys are learning about a lot about themselves this year and the great thing is is we got a lot of these guys coming back next year so we should be a force to deal with next year as well yeah, you talk about how good Ethan Hendricks has been for you guys this season. Uh, but also, really, your leading scorer, Gavin Benton, has also made a difference as well. Uh, he's a he's a 6'5", 6'6", post guy. He just really has one of the best inside touches I've ever seen. Yeah, and he, and he I think he shoots about 70% around the rim. Yeah. And he's finally starting. He, he had a very good game versus Rochester at 28 points where he hit three threes. And he's finally starting to at least take outside shots. Like earlier, like he's one of our best shooters in practice. He just, for some reason, gets in a game. His his thinking is, is well, if I can go dominate in the paint, why do I need to step out and shoot threes? But he knows that for him to to be able to go, which he's getting offers from from several NAIA crossroad league uh, teams, that he knows to to play as a friend. Teams, he's got to show that he can shoot from the outside. Yeah, and we all know he can. He just doesn't. He does doesn't do it much. He'll only take one to two outside shots a game, and when you only take one to two outside shots a game, it's hard to get into a rhythm ever. So you know, if I I told him going to that Rochester weekend that, and I knew that Adam Central was going to play a two three zone, so he'd be kind of in the high post to low post area, so he wouldn't have an opportunity to to make a difference from the outside. But Rochester, I told him we have to get up four threes, and he did. He was three for four from threes. So, I mean, he, he's showcasing that he's even better than what people think because, yeah, he does have a very good touch around the rim. He's really worked hard this offseason at being able to use both of his hands, being able to drop step over my right shoulder and left shoulder and finish with my left and right hand. And that makes a big difference because as the season goes on, you're starting to see teams take away his dropping over his uh, – right shoulder to go to his left hand and they're forcing him the other way and he's doing a very good job of either picking people apart with his passes or finishing with his right hand around the rim um but you always got to feel confident when you're going into a game 
with him on your team because you always feel like you got the best player on the floor. And, you know, that's that's maybe not been the case. Only one game to where I thought maybe he got outplayed a little bit, and that would have been the four and Blackhawk okay. game with, with the picket kid. The pick, but the picket kid's 6'8", long and, arms. And, I mean, and, he's, and he's probably going to be talent. playing in the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. So, but Gavin's almost right there with him. He just he really yeah. struggled that game. And, and But you, you throw Ethan back into the mix, and you throw him back into the mix versus that team, it allows us to run our offense. Because if you go back and you watch the Blackhawk game, our only offense was let's just go hope that Gavin can go create. And with, with Ethan back on the floor, we can run a lot of our sets, run a lot of our you know high-low stuff just because we, we have confidence in taking care of the ball and being able to execute. You know, Ethan's percentages aren't great this year, but, you know, he's still averaging 13 points, but, he, but he's our leader. He's our, he's our quarterback. He makes everything go on both ends of the floor. He's always on the best guard. He's always, you know, starting the offense with the ball in his hands. Like, he, he is – sometimes people don't realize how much of an impact he has on our team, whether we're going to be sick because his ability to see the floor, to make sure that the guys are getting the ball when they're open and in successful situations. Like he does a great job of just being a leader. And the, and the great thing, these two guys that I'm talking about, they're both back next year and they both yeah. work so well with one another and complement each other so well that, you know, they're only going to continue to grow as players and teammates. You talked about that Blackhawk game a moment ago about how there was just no energy and just and 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 you didn't have Ethan Hendricks and and you were and it just seemed like your guys were hoping that the offense would just go through Gavin and that he would be able to create. Was playing that game on a neutral floor there at Grace College? Do you think that may have had something to uh, to do with a gym guys aren't familiar with? Um, in a setting they're not familiar with, you think that may have played a factor into that uh, loss? I mean, it, yeah, it could, but you know, it's the same thing for for uh, Blackhawk. They're they were in the same, you know, same gym that we were in, same court, same everything. So, I mean, it, that was just a game that we're, we're down seven and a half, and you, and you feel okay, but you feel like okay, we didn't play a good first half. We're only down seven, so we can make a little bit of a run here in the second half. But we came out there. I think we missed our first five shots. You go out there versus a team like that, and you miss your first five good looks at the basket. They go on a, then it's at fifteen. You get down fifteen to a Blackhawk, you start to lose confidence, and and you and you could see it in our guys. You could see it by their energy effort. You could just see by how they just kind of went flat in that game and just and almost just wanted it to be over. It just kind of looked like that, and you know, things for them because you know I. I kind of tried to take a positive outlook from that game to just challenge them. It's like, guys, you just saw how much better you have to get quickly if you want to yeah. compete with a team like that. Yeah. And it's kind of pushed them forward. It's kind of made them, made them go a little harder in practice, made them get after each other a little bit. to see going forward because if you're going to get beat by 30, yeah, there, there's never a positive you can take away from that other than challenge just challenge each other challenge yourself just to become a better player so we can get to that level to where we have an opportunity to beat them yeah and and uh your your other loss so far to this point in the season a 10-point loss to Wabash in the county tournament championship talk about that game a little bit and kind of what happened because you were able to have Hendricks uh he wasn't fully ready to go by then he he that was one of his last games that he was hurt but 
just talk about that game and what Wabash did better than you guys. Oh, I mean, that's they they owned us on the defensive end. They made everything difficult for right. us, and and they hit eight threes in the first half for them. Like we were down twenty seven to ten and a half, and then we go and play them two weeks later with Ethan on the floor, and we've already outscored almost what we did that whole game. Yeah. So I mean, it's that was just a game that you're just kind of watching. You're like, what the heck is happening right now? It's like, that you're ready for a game you think that you're prepared you think that you know we have the edge a little bit going into it we haven't lost or we've only lost one game you know and, and we beat them the last time we played them and, and we was we thought we had the best player on the floor which i still think we obviously we did but they just had a lot of guys i mean it wasn't like you could focus on one or two usually you know you go play them you could focus on ford right and right. uh Daughtry and and they had dinkins step up and hit three threes in the first half which he didn't score the next time we played him so it's just guys like that just really stepped up for him and 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 really played their role to almost perfection and and when we got down it was really really hard for us to fight back but we did in the third quarter we were down 27 to 10 and we got it within five in the third quarter but you could kind of see how we got it to five was we exerted almost all the energy we had left and he ending it up to seven or eight and that's where it stayed about the whole second the whole fourth quarter and it was it was a you know it's that was a game obviously you want to win because it's a county tournament every yeah. you know the gym's packed but our focus was okay if, if, if we're going to lose that one and we know we're at full strength that next week when we play them we got to make sure that we go beat them on their home floor and make sure that we for one we take them out of the conference race and we propel propel ourselves up to the top spot and that's what we were able to do i mean it was a it was a tale of two games we were able to yeah. dominate them in the paint the second time we played them opposed to the first time i felt like they threw three or four guys at gavin and it made life difficult for him because we weren't hitting outside shots this game we were able to get it inside and ethan really i think ethan had eight, eight, 18 points that game just was able to get to the rim a lot and that really you know you got a guard that can penetrate and open it up for you a little bit that really kind of just took us to a different level that game but they tough when we played them the second time uh right had i think seven threes yes yeah, yeah, seven threes that game it, 26 points so you know they every time we play them it's always going to be a battle and those kids are always going to play a little harder because it's Wabash and Manchester so right. you know whenever if we've, we've split with them the last two years you, you would like to get both of those wins and we've we've lost both of them in the county championship so hopefully you know hopefully that next year will be the year that we finally get a chance to win county championship yeah, talk about the county championship a little bit because people uh, – I've been seeing on Facebook and on social media, people were saying, oh, well, this is one of the best county tournaments in the state. And I'm like, well, I don't know about that because I haven't been there. And, and, and uh, it might – you know, if, if and, they're saying then, that, maybe attendance-wise, you know, attendance-wise, it doesn't matter which gym you're playing in, it's going to be full. Absolutely. But talent-wise, I mean, it's, it's, it's okay. You know, it's just – that they, they go and compete hard against one another. I mean, it's it's a rivalry for all, yeah. all the schools, so that's maybe what they're saying. But, man, you can go look around the state. There's a lot of good tournaments. I mean, oh, yeah. come on. I mean, go but, look in the Indy area. I mean, there's a lot of great tournaments. Yeah, and, and, and the format, which uh, with how you guys do it, with combining the boys and the girls tournament uh, kind of together, playing it all on the same day. People are coming in and out of the gym all day long. 
they leave, come back, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, growing up for me, really the only county tournament I was around and was a part of was the Grant Four, and it wasn't anything like that. And looking back on it, I kind of wish that's how they ran the Grant Four a little bit because I think, like you said, it draws a crowd. And especially especially every other year when you're playing in a gym that is basically the same with Southwood and Northfield, same capacity and everything, it fills up quickly. And, you know, with a lot of people back for the holidays and all that kind of stuff, I think it creates an atmosphere, almost a sectional kind of atmosphere. And you can use those games to get you ready for the tournament later on. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of wish that that those would be played at bigger gyms like the Wabash gym in Manchester and just rotate Uh between those two because when we played Wabash and the Wabash girls and our girls played right before us, there's no room. There's like people had to wait out in the lobby just to get in. So, you know, it's like it was not sold out, but I mean, there's no, literally you can buy a ticket, but you're going to have to stand and watch the game somewhere out the hallway. So, you know, that's, that's one that it does, get you prepared for what a tournament tournament atmosphere should feel like you know but uh, you know for us we go all the way to bluffton and if we if we play blackhawk at bluffton that gym's half full because yeah. they're traveling we're traveling an hour and 10 minutes you never know what kind of crowd you're going to get i right. really wish we had an opportunity to play a local sectional because if we were in with like a sectional with like wabash man that would oh, you get wabash in the sectional finals i feel like that gym would be absolutely packed absolutely and, and it would be a heated intense game um but i mean it does it, it, it puts the kids in an opportunity to play in front of a large crowd which which that's what every kid should want you know some some yeah. kids respond differently than that some freak out a little bit because there's too many people there to um, relish that and, and want to go out there and dominate and you know that was a game that I, I honestly think we played a little nervous going into that game with with the larger crowd there than what we usually do but on the road we've been well and, you know and every gym we go to their sections usually full so you know that was just a game that I think the kids understood how big of a game it was but for some reason, just, I don't know, just kind of freaked out a little bit and never could could get it going until late in the game, which was then it was already too late. When you get down 17 to a decent team, they can spread you out, and that's what Wabash did. As soon as they got up 17, they came out in that third quarter and went four corners offense. So then you're right. trapping and you're playing helter-skelter just to get them to take a quick shot, just to try to turn them over and, and get the ball going and transition. Yeah. So, you know, but it, but those kind of games are good for our kids. They need to learn, you know, it's, it's overcoming a little bit. That's learning to fight through a little adversity, learning to get a little bit more of a better mental toughness going into a game, maybe preparing yourself a little bit more mentally than what you did previously. So, I mean, that's, we walk out of there. That's it's, it was a good learning experience for our guys because, you know, out you got Gavin, you got Ethan, they're, they're used to that kind of stuff. Gavin Martin used to it. Tyler used to it. But then we have a lot of, you know, our, our fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth options. That's kind of new to them. So just to get them ready, because they're all back next year, just to get them ready for that going into next year and being able to, you know, not let that bother them, that will be a good thing for them. Yeah, and, and then uh, looking ahead into the month of February, even starting tonight, you're you're kind of hitting, you're hitting kind of the, uh, the falling action of your season here. As it starts, it's going to start to wind up here in February. You're going to play tonight, hopefully against Cherubusco 
as of now. Uh, then yeah. you look ahead to Northfield next week. Cherubusco and Northfield have combined for like five wins on the season. So those should be, you know, you don't want to say it's an easy game, but it's a game. But but those are two games that you kind of go in and you're expecting to win a little bit. But then, yeah, of course. But, but then in the month of February, uh, things start to get a little tougher. You're going to play Bluffton, who's not or who's having an okay season, but they got a great coach in Craig Teagle. Um, then you look ahead, and you're going to play a conference game at Peru, which Peru is kind of they've been struggling the last few weeks, but it's at Peru. That's a different gym to play in. It's a tough place to play. Yeah. Then, then, uh, well, the four four out of your last five games. Uh, you get to play at home. You get to play McConaughey at home, which will be a tough game. There, that's probably could be a for for a TRC championship. Whitco yeah. coming in as well, and then you're going to get Mississinawal to round out the season. So the month of February really is going to prepare you for when you got to go into March. Yeah, and that's that's kind of how you want to end your season. It's yeah. like we we understand these next two games. We're not going to take them lightly, but we understand that this is a great opportunity for us to hopefully be able to play nine guys in those games and get everybody some good playing time and just try to stay healthy and stay fresh. But you want to end your season playing some of the better teams on your schedule, because that's, if you go look at our sectional, you got the number three team in the state, you got the number five team in the state, you got the number nine team in the state, then you have us. And you know, it's the, you want to play those good teams that are going to challenge you, that are going to make you prepare a little bit more that are going to, you know, keep you focused and, and and you know you go into that game you have to play well to win and the good thing for you like you said is that we have them at home but you know that that's really something that the back end of our schedule is a good thing for us because it's helping us prepare for three of the better teams in class 2a going into that uh, sectional well we've talked we've talked about your season so far we've kind of given the rundown and and what's taking place this season. So let's now talk, let, let's transition a little bit, talk about your career. You talked about how you were at Whitco, and that was really a tough place to leave. And going into that Whitco job, I know you had the connection because your dad, Dave, used to be the head coach there. So you were a little yeah. familiar with what went on there. Talk about your dad a little bit, your brother, who used to be the coach at North Miami. Um, talk about the impact they've had on you and. Uh, how, or I mean, just some of the things you've learned from then that you've carried over into your coaching. Yeah, I mean, that's especially early on in my career. That's that's all I knew was what I right. learned from coaching with my dad or coaching with my brother. Like, you know, a lot of stuff they were doing and a lot of stuff they were doing offensively, defensively. That's that's really what I knew, opposed to you know going to college and learning some different stuff. Um, but um, you know, it's they they kind of showed me at least how to prepare for games how to hold players accountable for their mistakes and and you know and what it takes to create those relationships with players because you can't get on players these days and expect positive things if you haven't create, created Absolutely. a relationship with Absolutely. those kids and you know and i feel like that's getting to the point to where if you don't do that you're you're not going to last long in a job and, uh-huh. and kids are going to quit on you opposed to respond in a correct way. But, you know, it's growing up that I was in a gym all the time. My dad was, you know, he used to own the winning edge. And then when I was in fourth grade, he gave that up and went and, and took the job at Wicco. 
to and took my brother from North Miami to Whitco and was there for two years and they were able to win a sectional championship. But I remember going to every game. Like yeah, I was there and, for and, every game. And, and I just want to point this out. I don't know if it's true because it's my dad telling it. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. Is it true in that sectional championship against Columbia City that Zach uh, got hurt and had to go get stitches and come back and win the game? Did that happen? Yeah, well, okay. I don't I don't know if he actually left to go get stitches, but I know, I think what happened was, because he got hit in the eye and had a big cut and was in the first quarter. Yeah. And, and I remember after that, he had a three-quarter shot at the, at the buzzer, and then, you know, instead of leaving and going and get stitches, they just bandaged it up. And then okay. and before, <laughs> it was after the game, then when they went to the fire truck to go through town and celebrate, but he couldn't go to that. He had to go get stitches and gotcha. stuff. I, that's how I remember, but you got to remember, I was in fifth grade at that time. Your dad would have been in his mid to high 20s. He would probably <laughs> have a better experience and know a little bit more than, than I, well, I would remember on that. But, you know, that's when I'm watching all those games when he was at Wicco and, you know, it's to look at what, how those gyms would always be packed for those rivalry games right. to what they are now. It's like, it's not even a rival anymore. And especially in one are, class basketball. I, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like all these kids now are like best friends. Like the kids from Manchester are best friends with a lot of the ones at Rochester at Wabash at Southwoods. So it's not even like, it's not the same kind of feel as what it used to be. Right. But you know, it's, when you when you grow up as a kid and, and my my grandpa was a coach, my dad was a coach, my brother was a coach. That's all I wanted to do. Because of course you just want to be yeah. like them. You want to, you know. I did. Did I always want to be a teacher? No, but I knew that if I wanted to coach, that you know, it's it's probably better that you're a teacher as well. So right. you know, that's how I got my passion for that. That's how I got my passion for coaching was just through them, just being able to be around you know, a high school team from fifth grade all the way up until I was 23 and then having an opportunity. My dad took the North white job when he, he, he was at North Miami. And then he took, he took that job just to get me started in coaching. Cause he knew gotcha. that he was going to go there, coach for one year, you know, and, and North white was excited to get him. He had a coach coming in that he, they were a struggling program. I think they had four years in a row that they didn't win a game. Wow. So when they saw him apply, they were like, well, what's going on? Why does this guy want to come here to coach? You know, and so he was there for a year, and then they were excited to have him. And then I was there as an assistant and was able to take over that job as a 24-year-old. And if you, you know, coaching as a 24-year-old is just first-year experience as a 24-year-old is very tough. Even when I was 27, I thought it was very tough. And, you know, it's you learn stuff every year you learn how to coach you learn how to get better you learn how to prepare every single year so it's finally i'm finally at the point that you know i'm starting to learn a lot more and a lot more and a lot more opposed to in your 20s you're just trying to soak it all in and you're trying to just instill what you've already kind of got from your you know from me would have been from my dad and from my brother but you know i've had an opportunity now to just kind of go into clinics and all that just kind of learning a lot a lot of stuff from a lot of other coaches and sitting down with a lot of area coaches and just kind of talking to them about stuff they do in practice and you know shooting drills that they do to help get their teams better at shooting and it's just really you gotta you gotta keep expanding your knowledge if you're a coach right. and you gotta keep adapting to you know a lot of people have a system in place no matter what this is the style we're gonna play that's not what's that's just 
completely opposite from what I do. You know, I go into it, I'm going to try to create the system around what kind of team I have. If I don't have a, a ball and make sure we're getting defensive and focused on the defensive end, make in the ball and you know doing stuff like that, we're going to do it. It's like my 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 philosophy is, is I'm going to develop whatever I need to to help make my players more successful. In place and this is what we're doing, even if we have some six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, and you know we're going to utilize our strengths always. So, you know, I that's something that that's that's really one big thing i've taken away from my dad is you got to adapt your style of play to what's going to make your team more successful and not necessarily what you just know how to coach you know so that might mean that you have to go and study up some stuff and research some stuff and educate yourself a little bit better in some certain areas to help make your team more successful so i'd say that's really the number one thing that i've got from him in 13 or 14 years of being a head coach who is the uh um, who is the best player or the best coach that you've gone up against? On championship, we played Marquette Catholic. I think his last name was Fazekas. Yeah, he played at Providence yep. for. Yeah, he was a good man. That kid was tough. He was a six-eight guy that could get a rebound and dribble down and pull up from the volleyball line. I mean, he did some things on the court that I was like, holy crap. Like, thank God we only have to play them once. But, yeah, I would say talent-wise, he was probably the best one. I think this picket kid from Blackhawk does a lot of the unique things that that you don't see often. He's got the size of a, you know, seven-footer with his wingspan, but yet he has the ability to, to go out there and knock down four or five threes. But he does a lot of great things, too. Those are probably two of the top talented ones that I've seen play or coached against. Uh, did you ask about coaching-wise, too? Yeah. Probably one of the most difficult ones, that if they have a good team, that it's 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 even tough to get off good shots would have been Craig Teagle. Because okay. I remember in my Waco days, we played them several times when they were going through their 20-2 and two seasons, and he had a nice little run, two- or three-year run with a very talented team. Man, we struggled to even create good looks at the basket. Like, I always thought he was one that, with that that he had on his team, he did a good job making sure everything you did was going to be at the perimeter. You're not going to touch the paint. You're never going to drive baseline on us. You're going to have to take threes, and you're going to have to take contested threes over our six, 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 five wings. And, you know, going in, and it's tough to think that you can go and out coach a guy like that when he's got right. 500 wins. That's always right. something that I'm like, man, it's like you at least know. And I always think that Eric Thompson does a great job as well yeah. that, that, you know, I can sit over there and I'll call out sets and I could have just put him in last week. And for some, somehow he knows them all it's just based on, you know, he's coached against me for eight to nine years, but right. you know, those are two of the guys that, you know, they play a very similar kind of style. It's almost like a, uh, they they do a lot of blocker mover stuff and they do a lot of gap defense where they're switching heavy in the passing lanes and you know it's just always tough to prepare. I always feel like preparing against uh, coaches that do a lot of switching is very difficult. Looking at your playing days because you went to Elwood, right? You graduated from yep. Elwood, so you graduate from Elwood, you go on and play at what Lee's McRae College down yep, there went in to North Lee's Carolina. McRae, yep. Yep. You, you go from Lee's McRae then to Anderson. Talk about your college days a little bit and playing there at Lee's McRae, which is a school that probably 
no one has ever heard of. No one listening has ever heard oh, of. Oh heck no! Yeah, because I, I it's would. down in a you know it's up in the mountains there in North Carolina. You, you gotta yep. You you'll go through Tennessee. It's about two hours away from Knoxville. Then all of a sudden you'll get it. You'll see a sign for Banner Elk. It's right next to Appalachian State. It's like ten minutes down the road from Appalachian State. Okay, so I'm sure you made some visits there. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But you, you know, you see a sign that says Banner Elk, and you so you turn right at I can't remember what interstate it is, but then you just travel about fifteen minutes straight up a mountain, and then you're to that college. And it was the college that was I've never heard of this college. I don't know how they even found me at all. Um, the coach was from Wabash and had some relatives go to a Wabash game okay. and saw me play. I think I had thirty seven that game and hit like seven or eight threes. And then so the, this coach liked shooters. He liked guys from Indiana, and he liked guys that could shoot and can score. So it was kind of one that he thought that I could come there, and he gave me a full ride to do it. And that was something that, you know, I thought I wanted. I thought I wanted to go play college basketball. That was one of those you get to a Division two as a 6'2", unathletic white kid, and you look around and you're like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm in the right spot right. because – I'm out there playing against guys that are 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", and just above and beyond way more athletic and quicker and stronger than what I was. So that was one that kind of just, you know, I knew I was I was, a, I was an okay high school basketball player. I scored 1,000 points, could score well, struggled to defend guys that were quicker than me. And, you know, that was something that I really struggled with when I went there and kind of went there and kind of figured out, ah, man, for one, I don't know if, if playing something I really want to do at this time. So even when I moved back, from there, I only I lasted one year there. I, I loved it there, though. Like I, you know, I, I had a lot of fun there, and and learned a lot and learned, for one, how to be tougher. Like that made me become yeah. a much tougher basketball player. Um, it was one that you know you're out of your element a little bit, and I you know I transferred back here in one of the only places that would even that they hadn't started school at that point was Anderson. So I just went to Anderson, thought I was going to go out and play basketball, but ended up my brother just got the North Miami job as a head coach and wanted to just start my coaching career and really help him out and thought that it looked good on a resume. If I'm 20, 22 years old, 21 years old, you know, being able to get some uh, assistant coaching experience and being able to help him out. And that's something that I did for two to three years. And then my dad took over that program and I continued to help him out. And that kind of just got me started. So one of the things my dad has told me is that, is it true that, 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 uh, that Dave would get a technical foul almost about every game. Is that true? Because, <laughs> I wouldn't because... say every game, but he, he would like to go after the refs. I remember one game in North Miami. He was just uh, he was, it was my brother's team. He was just an assistant coach, and he was the girls' coach at the time. But he would help sit on the bench for some games and stuff. And he got ejected from a scrimmage. I've seen that happen before. I was kind of impressed. And, and it was just a you know sometimes he would just he would he would challenge a call, and then. You know, the play play would be done, and then that guy, that ref, makes his way back over, and he's still challenging that same call four possessions later. And, you know, refs are very sensitive, as they should be. You know, if I'm a ref, I'm not, I don't want to hear coaches yelling at me the whole time. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, I used to be that guy. Like, I, that's how I was a very fiery 
kind of guy that used to get all over the refs, and I finally learned. Like I've, I don't know if I've got a technical foul in like four years. So that's something that I've really tried to focus on not doing because. I think the biggest thing that we're running into is the lack of good refs anymore. Yeah. So when you finally finally uh, start to see some good ones come come around your area and start to ref some games, you got you got to be they're very sensitive. You can't say stuff to them because they're hearing it from the crowds, they're hearing it from other coaches. So that's something in the last few years that I've really trying to hone back on and just make sure that I'm not being disrespectful to them. Do you remember your first technical? <laughs> Oh yeah, I do. Is at North White. I threw a water bottle, huh. threw a water bottle down after a bad call, and the water bottle shattered, and oh. the cap went all the way on the court during the game, and they called it. They stopped the game and gave me a tech, your first tech. <laughs> not re- I mean, there's nothing you can really do about that. So, no, it's so. like you can't. But you know, I don't, I don't even feel like I earned that one. So I don't even remember what my one that I actually earned. I remember at Wicca one time that we were in. We went through three overtimes versus a Wallace C team that we thought we should definitely beat. But the refs didn't cost us the game, but certainly didn't help. And it was late in that game. I looked at my assistant, and we were already down four with, like, five seconds on the clock. I was like, I might as well end this with a bang. And I just went over there and just made sure I might have said a bad four-letter word to him and <laughs> made sure that I was going to walk out of there at least with the tech of that game. So uh, is it one of those things where – you know, if you get fired up, like, are you trying to get a T, you know, to kind of sometimes, get your guys fired up Sometimes you do get fired up enough that you're like, just go ahead and do it. Right, okay. Because then at least I can sit okay. down now, and maybe that will help keep me more calm. Gotcha. I gotcha. I've done that before. Gotcha. Just because if not, then I'm going to be up, and I'm yelling at you all game long. So it might be best for you to tee me up. That way I'll go sit over there, and then you don't have to yell at me for being back in my box the whole game like I usually get told but 95 times a season. Oh yeah. So, you oh know. yeah. Cause you use that entire, you use that entire sideline. Yeah. I like to pay it's some like of Tom pace. Green. I can't, yeah. I can't sit there and just watch a game. Now I'm starting to get better at it because I think uh-huh. I'm wearing myself out and stressing myself out too much late in the season that I'm just more of a sitter now sitting uh-huh. and watching and then getting well, up when I need to say something too. to somebody. Oh, you're getting older too. I am, man. Getting up, getting up and down when you're 38 years old it puts a lot of strain on that yeah. lower back. So it's, yeah. Sometimes it's better just sitting on those comfy chairs and watching. So, so in all your years of coaching, and playing and watching, what's the best game you've ever seen? It, it, it doesn't have to be one that you coached in or played in, but just think of the best game that you've ever watched in person. What man, it? oh, uh, it would have been. Tipton and Wapahani was with your dad. Okay. We sat oh, front yeah, row Crawford. and they had Crawford, Elston. Oh man, somebody else too. Couldn't remember. Pro- probably uh, Dickie's son. Yeah, Dickie. Yeah. Yeah. And we were sitting front row and and Crawford hit a buzzer beater, and yeah. that was that, that game was so back and forth, and that game was full of Division One athletes at a two yeah. A game. Like, there was probably four Division One athletes on the court. Wapahani had two really good players, and Tipton had four. But, man, that was just a, a game that you were like, oh, man, these are men out here. Yeah. And, I've, and I've been able to watch, like, Deshaun Thomas a couple times. He's been probably the best player that I've seen play, not coached against, but just seen play. That dude could go get a point whenever, whenever he wanted. Now, if he would have had somebody – 
making sure he was a little bit more disciplined in high school games, he yeah. could have been unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely. But, man, yeah, that was probably the best game, that Tipton-Wapahani game. That was probably like 2010. I mean, I Something can't remember like that, what year yeah. the Elson was rolling through, but I remember your dad and I were sitting front row for that game and watched that one. I've seen the video of that where he uh, – well, because that kid from Wapahani hit a three to, to give him the lead, and Crawford yep. just came down, went coast to coast. Yep. And a kid and then, from Wapahani comes down on the ball. It should have been a jump ball, and Crawford goes up and scores – Yep, and then it led to Wapahani's coaches getting escorted out. Yeah. Yep. I, I Yeah, that I, was that was a great game. But man, that, that and that was at Tipton too, so that crowd was going wild. Yeah, and, and that was a really and, and I wish they would still host the regional there because um Hey, and you always I, know I mean, it's gonna be full. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean same with Lapel. I mean I like Lapel's gym. No, I don't really like Lapel's gym. And probably the second best game that I've been to was at Frankfurt. It was Jason Holsinger, Lapel versus Tri Central. So Jason Holsinger ended up going to Evansville and playing, and then uh, Tri Central had a 6'10 Kurt Cunningham. I think he was Boise State. Yeah. And then they had a they had their other their point guard went to New Orleans was the Driggs kid, and then they had Grayson Flitner that went to. Oh man, where did Gardner he go? Webb. Gardner Webb. They yep. beat so they were loaded. That was Tri Central had three Division One players on their yeah. team, and Lapel beat them. Yeah, and they and went Lapel to... ended up winning the. I think they won the state that year. Well, and then the following year, Tri Central ended up getting all the way to the state and lost to to Hauser. I think yeah, Hauser which, or Waldron. You have three like Division One players on your on your one A team, and you can't get it. Uh, uh, state championship man that's that's unfortunate yeah especially now when you look at 1a and no disrespect but it, i mean it's bad I, it's, I mean, it's it's I just mean, not you it's know not it's not very I mean, competitive like you said, no disrespect but we 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 played southwood last year never would have thought that they'd be in a state championship and somehow yeah. they were so yeah, yeah. And, and then it almost makes you think with some of the things <clears throat> that you've had it's like man if we were in 1a We'd be playing at Gainbridge Field House too. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, I, I agree. It's just it's just one of those things. I mean, you can't control it. Can't get kids to move. No, and that's like you that. know we just so. played Canterbury a couple weeks ago, and it won't surprise me one bit if they come away and win the championship. Yeah, because they're because they're good, and, and they're and they're just they're an okay team. They're they're a solid team. Yeah, with some good athletes. Absolutely. Well, I'm gonna throw some some rapid fires here at you. Some rapid fire questions all right number one and you talked about this a little bit earlier uh uh that that you didn't want to be a a a teacher but if you weren't teaching and coaching what would you want to do oh man i'd love to do like something with sports management like working like somehow be up in like in the pacers front office like doing something cool or something with marketing for like a sports team even like something like the 10 caps or something like that gotcha and, Anything that involves sports. And uh, you don't really see this as often in high school, but are you a fan of, like, the drop-down baskets in a gym? Or, or, or uh, really, this you put your player perspective on. Are you a fan of the, the drop-down baskets or the uh, of the basket standards, like in the NBA in college? You know, that to me, and any time, even when I was a player, like, I would always like – the gyms that were a little bigger, I felt like it was easier to shoot in them. So a lot of those bigger gyms just had like the NBA style 
you know, just the hoops that were there stationary in the gym, not the drop down ones. I would say I always felt like the rims were softer on those schools too. Okay. So definitely give me the NBA style hoops okay. opposed to the drop down. Okay, interesting. All right. Uh best pregame or post game go to uh meal, snack, whatever kind of food. For me as a coach? Yeah. Sure. It's gotta be pizza. All right. Some local pizza. That's usually what we do. We usually get a couple larges from somewhere, and it's usually at, at Manchester. It's going to be either Greeks, Pizza Hut. So it's usually just going to be some kind of pizza related. Gotcha. So what that's my go-to always. But I'm getting to the point. I don't know what it is. I can't eat before games anymore. It might be that old age kicking in, but I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's I get too stressed out or uh-huh. now if we're playing somebody, I think we can go roll by forty. I'll, I'll go eat. That's fine. Right. My stomach's nice right. and relaxed. But if we're going to go play Wabash or Adam Central, I'm usually too stomachs and knots. I can't eat much before a game. Gotcha. But it's, it is always nice, though, that when we go to places and they have a good hospitality room set up. See, Manchester oh, yeah. used to have a really good hospitality yeah. room, and then COVID hit, and then all of a sudden that hospitality room went bye-bye. Yeah, but and, man, and they used to make so much, so many good home home-cooked meals in that hospitality room. Well, I guess this is a that's a question I didn't write down. But what, what what's the best hospitality room that that you guys go well, to? Well, probably the best hospitality room that I go to is whenever we play at Huntington because they get wings etc. There, there you and go. it's always any kind of sauce you want, tons of wings, curly fries. They have mac and cheese bites this year, Man. cheese curds like they do it right, pretzels. Man. They know we they know to start what doing, doing some Huntington games. I know. get Andy on that. Just say it's it's right under the as soon as you walk in it's just like this hidden room right under the bleachers that you just walk into and it's full of food. Well, and and also a place that you haven't coached, so you probably haven't uh, you probably haven't been to their hospitality, but who does a great hospitality is Frankton. Just Frankton, awesome. I yeah. can see that. Uh, I can see yeah. like Frankton or Lapel having a good hospitality yeah. room. Yeah, they're 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 great with that kind of stuff. Um, Next question: Your your favorite gym, other than your own gym, your home gym to coach in? Where where's your favorite place to go on the road? Oh uh, man, I don't know what it is, but I like Wallace's gym. Okay, and every time we play there, it's loud. Their fans are mocking me all the time, yeah. kneeling down. They always get into it. They're I mean, their fan, their student section is usually pretty ruthless, and I kind of <laughs> like that. I like student sections that are going to be over there shouting back and forth. And just kind of, that's the kind of feel well, you like when you go into a game. Well, a few years ago, uh, and I don't know if it's still like this now, you'd know more than me, Manchester's used to be like that. Really? Where, where, where they were ruthless and they'd go after you. So. Well, we have, we have a couple that lead our student section this year that will say whatever they want to say sometimes. So they're, they must be getting back to that kind of style because we have a couple Good. seniors in there that will just shout whatever they want at this point. <laughs> They there don't you care. Go. There you go. Um, one coach that you'd like to have a conversation with that you haven't met doesn't have to be a basketball coach. Can be of any any sport. What, what what is one coach you'd like to sit down and have a conversation with and just learn from? Oh man, probably one of my favorite ones growing up as a kid. Well, not as a kid, but as a young adult watching was Shaka Smart. Okay. And then I always, my my biggest thing with him is I always wondered why, you know, had all that success at VCU running the havoc defense and then goes to can or goes to Texas and never does it, never wanted Good to question. do it. But man, I I've loved watching that guy get better and better. Now he's a 
he's one of my top, I'd say. But since Coach K's retired, what would have loved to have a conversation with him just to, you know, everybody always says he's so fiery. He's kind of like a Bob Knight that practices, but then you get him out in the games and he's a completely different person. Right. So I would say either Coach K or Shaka Smart would be two at the top of my list, okay. even though they're both basketball coaches and they're college basketball coaches. The A coach is probably nobody. Right. You know, I, I can't think of. I can't think of one Maybe NBA. Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr would probably be one, or Phil Jackson. Yeah, I I can't think but, of one NBA coach outside of maybe like Chuck Daly or Eric Spolstra yeah. that yeah. that oh, I yeah. really want to sit down with. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then speaking of the NBA, this is where it could get controversial here, and I don't want to turn this into a debate. Into <laughs> a debate because I know where this is going to go. Who's the greatest player of all time? Michael Jordan. All right. Yep. All right. Who you're are never you going to say? Back. You're going to say LeBron James, aren't you? Yeah, I was. No. <laughs> I mean, uh, man, you, you, I mean, you can't argue against that, though. That dude is playing until he's 40 years old right now and I still know. dominating. And, and, and I can't really argue against Jordan either. I think he's the one of the greatest, had one of the greatest mindsets of all time. Yeah. And so, yep. you know. I mean, skill wise, it's got to be LeBron. Yeah, I, I mean, but just winning, winning right, wise, and I agree. just the desire to go out there and murder somebody on a court had to be Jordan. I think, I think if you respect the game and you like the game, you can either you can swing either way and make an argument oh, for yeah. both of them. Yep. So. Or, or it could be Joel Embiid. He just dropped seventy points last night. Yeah. So. Yeah. And tonight I'm gonna go watch uh, Nikola Jokic <laughs> drop seventy on the Pacers. So. <laughs> yeah. That'll I mean, be he fun. might, you know, when it's all said and done here in about five or six years, he might be able to put him in that conversation. Oh, yeah. He, Just because he does things that's so unique as a seven-footer seven footer that, from a center standpoint, that turns a point guard mode on you. Right. That you'll never, that you might not see again. Right. And uh, growing up, did you have, like, a, a, a favorite sports team? Like, 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 who is your team growing up, even now to this day? No, the, my my teams are always going to be so college basketball's IU, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, college football's Notre Dame. I'm that typical Indiana guy that's oh. Indiana. You know, I I now I do like I do watch almost many of the IU football games. I, I still do do that, especially I married into a family full of IU fans. Okay, good. So good. so those are my two <laughs> professional basketball. I could care less. Yeah, I like to watch. I'll always watch the playoffs, but as long as they're good games, I could care less on who really wins right. that. Uh, NFL's Chicago Bears, like I okay. unfortunately. Okay. But you know, same thing at this point with the Bears being so bad, you just like to watch good games. So like, yeah. I'm all in on Patrick Mahomes. I like to watch winners. Yeah. Uh, doesn't mean I'm a Chiefs fan by any means, but are you, you know, going for the like, Lions at least? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Screw the 49ers. Yeah. All about the Lions. But I'm trying to think baseball's the Cubs. I love watching Cubs games, though. Like, baseball season's a long grind, but when the Cubs are good, it's hard to to not want to watch them. I mean, I don't. Are you a Tigers fan? Yeah, kind of. I like the the Cubs, too. I mean, the Tigers, they're they're getting better, but. Yeah, you know. So I'm, I'm a big Cubs fan, Bears fan, Notre Dame fan, I'd say, and then IU fan. Those are my top four. So, so when when you're driving to school every day at seven o'clock in the morning to go yep. to go monitor some kickball, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's about right too. Yeah, yeah. yeah to, to go monitor some kickball, what kind of tunes are you throwing on in the morning? 
Oh, I'm listening to either ESPN radio channel. Okay. I, I just listen to X Series XM. So it's go. either 80 or I, I was always big into Mad Dog because the morning men, but then that guy left and went to ESPN. And so I listened to Unsportsmanlike is what it's called on ESPN on the way to school. And then on the way home from school, when I get done with practices, it's usually just Mad Dog Radio. It's uh, Christopher Russo. Okay. I like to listen to those. And, the, yeah, that's how I – I mean, I hardly even listen to the radio. Now on the way to games, I'll listen to radio. But that's about all I listen to on the way to, way to school and home from school. But, you know, I don't monitor kickball. I actually play with them. There that's you how go. I have to stay in shape, man. I play dodgeball. I've thrown out my arm like three or four times Dang. this year. So I'm trying to, hey, I'm 38, but I'm trying to get into better shape with those kids every day. Hey, uh, if I'm going to be a PE teacher, I might as well go out there and do some stuff. So so is it only PE that you're doing? Or you I also... do health as well, okay. health. Gotcha. So I do have to go and, and, and do three periods of teaching. Like I have to go and grind it out in the classroom as well. So, so as a coach, uh, um, are there other like administration duties that you have to do like in the off season, like going to going to uh, supervise like a, like a volleyball game or a softball no, baseball never. game. Okay. You know, if I wanted to go okay. into I that, just didn't know if that's how Manchester I, did. Well, that. you know, when I was, when I was younger and when was that North white is my first job. One of my job responsibilities is like assistant 80 where I would go and go to a lot of the junior high stuff and help set up. But now it's man, it's, you spend so much time in the gym for four months that the last thing you want to do is go monitor any anything else right. going on. You want to come home, and I, for me, especially with two young kids, I want to come home and be with my kids and wife as much as possible at this right. point. And 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 as a head varsity coach um, who's wanting to develop a program, how important is it to spend time at the junior high level and and kind of help and not really help out there, but monitor what goes on in the in the junior high middle school level to get those I mean, kids ready to uh, come play for you. If, you if you plan on being at a school for longer than a few years i mean that's that's crucial you have to and i yeah. feel like it's not even necessary at the junior high but you got to have a good program going from i mean we we, we do stuff from pre-k all the way up so you know and, and we're with do you run all couple, of that Oh yeah, I run all that. Okay. So I, you know, like for example, right now every Saturday it's from ten to eleven thirty. We're doing a fundamental league for our K K through two. So uh, you know that's how we spend. So every Saturday we're waking up and going and doing that. We do camp in the summer, camp in the fall with them, and then our three through six are constantly like there. We have a school team that travels on every Saturday. They go like I think it's usually North Miami is where all the where they host them all, but you know, this, so there's three through six is playing all the time. And then our seventh and eighth grade, I mean, they, even outside of the season, they go and play in tournaments together and stuff and shootouts in Fort Wayne once the season ends. So, I mean, they're, they're busy, but making sure that they're just, you know, growing and doing what you, I mean, the biggest thing for me is I don't want a kid not have a clue of what our defensive principles are when they're coming up to high school, yeah. because then it's just like, there's, you're hitting the reset button and starting all over. So that's the big thing that I focus on with our seventh and eighth graders is just that they're teaching our man to man, how we teach it at the high school level. So it carries down, you know, when they get up there that it carries into our group that it's not like you're reteaching them everything. Offensively, I always let them with, you run whatever you feel like fits your team. 
and they do a pretty good job we have we have two coaches that have been within the program since i've been here that have maintained that seventh and eighth grade job that do a very good job at just keeping the kids going and holding them accountable that's a big thing too is being able to kids are going to make mistakes we all know that but you got to hold them accountable so they learn from those mistakes and they know you know what you're trying to what the expectations are i think that's that's crucial too but you know it starts with just teaching them as soon as they have any interest in being in that gym you got to work with them i mean i have a three-year-old son that every night he wants to play basketball for an hour and a half on his little tight soup store out here every night he was always wanting me to play defense but i mean he's got to the point he's dribbling he knows how to shoot correctly he knows how to play defense a little bit so i mean it's been fun so you know that's that's something i look forward to i don't know if i have let's see he that would be about 11 more years before he would be in high school i don't know if i have 11 more years in me of coaching but i hope i do because that's something that i would probably want to do is coach him when he gets to that age yeah yeah and uh just looking into the summer what uh, what are some of the things that you guys do as a team over the summer? You know, a lot of those shootouts, a lot of those team camps can help build the camaraderie aspect for your team. And honestly, you know, kind of like you said earlier, building the relationships is really what's important and what makes guys better. Oh, yeah. And it, I, I feel like summer needs to just be where they're having fun, but yet learning at the same time. And, you know, it's, it's because those, those kids – all just you need to give them an opportunity just to be a kid as well you don't want to take all their summer up with basketball especially when they're a multi-sport athlete so you know in june we hit it hard i mean we're we're playing at least twice a week especially on the weekends we're always somewhere playing in the shootout uh the great thing for us is last year tippy valley hosted four different ones and we were in them for all free so we didn't have to pay a dime hardly last year and then we did like a huntington one we did a saint francis one but we do a lot of you know it's to the point this year too is gavin's getting recruited by a lot of these schools so they're inviting us to these shootouts and some of them are free so so of course we're going to go take our kids to a lot this summer because i feel like I feel like, you know, the last couple of years we're getting better and better and better. And now we have a chance to really be good these, you know, this next year, too. So, you know, the more exposure that these kids can get and just playing better competition, I feel like in the summer, you don't want to go waste your time playing teams that aren't going to make any better. You want to go play. I remember we played like Mount Mount Vernon, Fort Bill. That was probably one of the better teams that I saw this summer. We played Kokomo without Flory, Flory did okay, not show up, say. but, you know, we, you know, just going and playing these teams that, yeah, you might go lose to, but look at how much better you're going to get, right. especially you're going to become tougher. So, right. you know, those are the, those are the things that we look, we look to, if we're going to sign up for a shootout, put us in the top bracket that way that we're playing the toughest teams. Yeah. And, uh, you, uh, and it ends in March, that first week of March or, you know, obviously every team wants it to be wants it to be in the fourth week of March. But when the season's over, how much time do you take off before you start evaluating for the off season and then start getting ready for the next season? About two days. Only two days. I'll take about, the, I'll take about that. You know, that weekend off, and then Monday we start into the year meetings, and you know that's when we start focusing on what we want to. You know, if there's changes we need to make defensively, changes we need to make offensively, if there's changes we need to make within our personnel, and you know, and but you know, it's. I mean, it's a it's a never-ending job. If you want to get better, to me, my mind's always thinking about ways to improve. You know, if my every I don't I don't know if I ever watch a college or even sometimes NBA game where I don't jot down something 
Like, it's usually a good set that I saw. If I watch a Michigan State game, then that's no joke. If I watch one game, I can usually pick out two to three sets <laughs> that he runs that I write down. Yeah. So, so if I had to – actually, if I had to meet one coach, it would be Izzo. I, for, I forget about him sometimes and how much success he has. I've met him. He's a pretty nice guy. Yeah, and, and just his ability, his X's and O's are probably some of the best in the game now. Sometimes his he could probably wear on some kids, especially nowadays oh, with yeah. all his yelling and stuff. But but you know he's old school, and that's you know we don't have too many of those old school coaches left yeah. in the game. And he's someone that I've always respected since I was in college and watching him in high school and stuff. So that way he would be awesome to me. But I mean that's your brain's never never not thinking about ways to improve. Like I'm always thinking about how I can put our kids in better situations in games, and you know, if I if I think that there's a certain system that we want to start working on offensively or defensively, that you know, that's something that you can't just show up in November and expect for one you to be able to do. You you to know if you don't research and study that stuff and put a lot of time and effort into it, that you're not going to have a clue to what you're even teaching the kids. So. You know, it's something that you got to work in the offseason as much as possible to better yourself and then to better your team. So um, a, a quote that I've heard came from came from Phil Martelli, who's the associate head coach at Michigan. Yeah. He, he basically said along the lines of, we're not all great coaches, we're all great thieves. And so, and so you – uh, explaining that there kind of kind of makes me think of that quote because a lot of coaches are taking what they saw from from one team, putting into their team, and then another team oh, sees sure. it, they implement it, and then it just kind of creates a cycle. And that's why a lot of teams do the same things; they run the same things, and then you get the unique ones every once in a or uh, every once in a while where they do something unique that is different than what all the other teams do, like. For me, like for, for, for me, X's and O's are not my biggest thing. But, but from what I do kind of know is that, and again, this is just unbiased here, but it's what I know. Oak Hill is known for running that matchup zone, and so you know that that's something that a lot of teams don't see, and so they have to prepare differently for it. I mean, that's that. I think a big one that I talked about earlier was uh, Shaka's farm. I mean, not too yeah. many people ran that that type of defense and and got. Out. Opponents in, in different kinds of ways, whether that be out of a man or zone. But you're right with uh, Oak Hill, though. Too. It's you know that's that's always a defense that if you have the right athletes out there, it, it's tough. It's tough to get good looks, and if outside shot. Yeah. But you know that's something that you know it's you, you always want to try to develop something unique too that that it's tough to to practice in two days because if, if a team can't prepare for you in two days, cause that's most of the time, that's what you get two to three days to prepare for a team. Cause you're so busy playing other teams throughout the year. But you know, it's, if you, if you can develop something that there's no way in two to three days, they can prepare for that. I feel like you've, you've got something special and you know, it's, we're trying to do a lot of different things, just trying to speed teams up and, we want to become tough to prepare for. That's why, you know, we feel like we have a good zone in place. We feel like our man-to-mans get better and better and better throughout the year. I mean, we didn't play a possession of zone versus Rochester. I thought our man was, was, was pretty good that game. And, you know, it's something that if you the 
tougher you are to prepare for, I feel like the, the better your teams are going to be. And that's something we've really, really, really been working on the last couple of years is just being tough to prepare for, have many different things in place. But it's all, it's all predicated from being able to pressure people. So this be the last question, and then I'll let you go. Um, yeah. So, for example, like when you go into a week, like when you're going to play Wabash, where you're only going to play one game and you have all week to prepare for it, what does that week kind of look like where, you know, you start Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. What does practice that week look like? I mean, do you start talking about your opponent for Friday on Monday? Do you wait till Tuesday or Wednesday? Just kind of give us the rundown of a week of practice. You know, it's that's a that's a great question because it, to me it all depends on what we do previously in that game like say we okay. played friday night and we didn't have practice that i gave him saturday off and maybe we're rolling into monday not worried about who we're playing on friday but more worried about fixing things that we made that we didn't do well on friday gotcha that night that week before so a lot of times on mondays we're trying to fix things and trying to better ourselves from what we didn't do well from our weakness standpoint on that game previously. And then we'll start preparing for that opponent. But if it's a really good opponent, like if we're going to play a Blackhawk, we might spend a week just making sure that we're going over every possible thing that we can do to get better for that game. But that all depends on the opponent, right? How good and how much time you think you need to put into that opponent to get your kids ready for well, Coach, we appreciate your time. I know you got you got to take care of some of some little ones there, so I'll let you go. But yeah, you know, no we, problem, man. I had fun. That was fun. Yeah, we got a we got a little over an hour worth of of some yapping in, and so uh, we appreciate your time and happy early birthday there. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thank you. It was Thanks, Grant. Take care. Co- it's Coach Eli Henson of the Manchester Squires. As this was episode number two of the Hoops House with G Shouse podcast. We'll see you later, everybody.